In anticipation of episode number 44 on the highlights of the 2014 Whistler Conference, we have with us the return of Dr. David Carr, and he's going to tell us one of his best case evers. Dr. Carr, let it rip. Thanks, Anton. This is a case that I still think about, and it's a case that I think is one for the ages. I'm working a busy Friday shift in the Emerge, and this family brings in their loved one in a car, and it's always amazing to see who brings people in versus who calls EMS. So they bring this guy, and he's got quite an interesting story. On Christmas Day, uh, the year before, he had a V-fib cardiac arrest that left him with a hypoxic brain injury. He's a young guy. He's like 60 years old, and uh, he goes home to a rehab facility the night before his visit in the emerge that I see him. So now we're in mid-March and he goes home the night before his first day home with his young family, his, his wife, his kids, and it's his first night at home. His wife says, you know, he was a little sleepy, didn't see himself, and he wanted to go to bed early at six o'clock. And this is a guy who had hypoxic brain injury, but was, apart from short-term memory, was doing pretty well. So he goes to bed 6 p.m. The wife goes to her bed. She retires in the evening. At midnight, he's kind of unresponsive. At 6 a.m. the next day, he's kind of unresponsive. By 1 o'clock p.m., he's still not responding, so she starts to panic. This is her first night at home with her husband after three months. So she kind of scoops him with her teenage son, and they bring him to the Emerge. So I see this guy in the Emerge, and uh, apart from his cardiac arrest, he's a diabetic. He comes in, and he's just, he's off. But his GCS is about three or five, three to five. He's got occasional facial grimaces, maybe occasional grunt sounds, but not really anything else. And he looks in absolutely no distress. You kind of plug him up. The nurse does his vitals. He's 150 over 70, 69 pulse. He's afebrile at 36. He's not tachypnic, not hypoxic. He's got a normal sugar. And I kind of don't know what to do with him. And he's one of these guys where I also don't know how aggressive to be with him. Because I, I, am I intubating this guy? I mean, the textbook and the exam answer is you're going to intubate him. But, you know, the wife doesn't really want him to go through that again. So I said, okay, well... I don't know what's going on. He certainly looks normal. I do a real good exam, uh, chest, cardiovascular, abdo, completely normal. Neuro exam, he's got no focal abnormalities, but obviously he's not following commands. So I kind of order my confusogram, send him to the CT, get lights, extended lights, urine. Everything's completely normal. I have no idea what's going on with him. I'm thinking, okay, maybe I should LP this guy. I really don't know. But I know this guy can't go home. I mean, he's not really moving. So I'm about to refer him off to medicine as a, this guy's not all there, NYD, um, and he's maybe not to be intubated. And uh, one of my charge nurses says to me, she says, Dave, this guy's in status. I'm like, yeah? And she's one of, she's uh, been there a long time. And I said, what do, why do you say that? I'm, I'm perplexed. I'm intrigued by this case. She said, when I saw him in triage, they brought him in. He made a few sounds. He looked a little funny. I don't know. I think he's seizing. So I said, yeah, okay. That's, that's a good thought. I mean, what do I have to lose? He's already pretty snowed and I'm not intubating him. So I give him two milligrams of lorazepam and I walk out. And the charge nurse and the family come running in. Because two minutes later, it's like right out of the scene from the movie Awakenings. The guy is completely awake. He's talking and he introduces himself to me and says, nice to meet you. Wow. So what was the thing that tipped off the nurse that this guy could have been in status? 
Well, I mean, I think what tipped her off is you have a guy who's got an altered mental status, who's got, you know, some sort of brain abnormality to begin with that might predispose him to seizures. And he was starting to make these unusual movements. I mean, she had spent maybe more time or she observed some grimaces, some sounds. You know, the diagnosis of status is a very easy thing, but non-convulsive status is a much more challenging diagnosis. Mm-hmm. Yeah, we had talked about this a little bit in our episode way back on the found down patient with Brian Steinhardt. Can you just remind our listeners again, what is non-convulsive status and how do we diagnose it? I mean, in this case, you basically diagnosed it by giving a benzo and he woke up and I guess that clinches the diagnosis. Is there any other way of diagnosing it? Yeah, I mean, yeah, it's nice when your confirmatory diagnostic test is a benzodiazepine, but really it's seizure activity greater than about 30 minutes without motor signs. So you don't have the convulsive element, but you have changes in behavior or cognition. And it can occur both before or after the seizure. And sometimes this is misdiagnosed as a psychiatric problem. The evidence will suggest it represents 10 to 30% of all status cases. And if you look at patients in the eMERGE who've had this diagnosis, only half of them are diagnosed in the first 24 hours. So it's something that we don't do well. If they look at ICU patients as a cohort, non-convulsive status represents 8% of ICU comatose patients without seizures. I'll tell you, Anton, after I saw this case, and this is a few years back, I've come up to intubate someone who's been off and I'm thinking about what drugs I should use to intubate. And I said, you know what? Let's give him a ton of medas because <laughs> either he's going to go to sleep for his tube or he's going to wake up from a seizure. Right. And I guess, you know, benzos, unless their blood pressure is low, the benzos aren't going to hurt. And yeah. if, you, if you do pick up that status, that's an amazing pickup. So this is a, a diagnosis that, as opposed to being a total zebra that you're never going to see, is probably something that we underdiagnose, eh? Yeah, I think we're going to see it. And you're going to see it if you work in a a place that you have a lot of patients who you see a lot of stroke patients. So people who have stuff wrong with their brain, if you had a large stroke in the past, if you are on neuroleptic medications, maybe you have an elderly person who was on benzos and stopped. And then they've had a change in their benzo and they're not convulsing, but with that withdrawal, they're non-convulsing. They're they're adding abnormal. And you might just think, ah, they have a few lukes in their urine. They're probably uroseptic, but there might be more to it. And I think you need to think about this in people who have seizures with prolonged postictal phases, because sometimes you can wonder, are they just gone into non-convulsive status? If you have altered mental status patients with twitching or blinking, or you have no cause found, this was so dramatic it was right out of a movie scene. I just loved it. That's awesome. It's a good, good case to remember. We will have some references in the show notes. And Dr. Carr gave a great talk in Whistler on the approach to the shocky patient, which we'll have in the next episode, highlights of the Whistler conference. Not only that, Dr. Carr is going to be at Emergency Medicine Update, Canada's biggest emergency medicine conference, which we're also going to have highlights for for the first time this year. At that conference, there'll not only be Dr. Carr, but we'll have Amal Matu, Stuart Swadron, Walter Himmel, Eric Latofsky, and many more EM cases guest experts that we've had in the past. So until next time, take it easy.